Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. My name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. Scott, I'm still getting messages through Facebook about my visit to Boston, and I was making fun of you by saying, hey, I'm a Yankee fan here in Boston Airport. Logan Airport. Logan. Logan Airport. You got to know your names, man. Come Ooh. on. If you want to be a local, you got to play the game. You got to go by the rules. Logan International Airport. International Airport. Great Only airport. a New Yorker would say, oh, Logan International Airport, which is one of the busier airports in the United States. Oh, international. It's not JFK. Like, yeah, come on, it, man. It feels like LaGuardia when I'm at Logan Airport. Oh, it's a disgusting airport. I don't want to argue the point. It is a disgusting airport. I love Boston. I am a Bostonian, but I've been living in Israel for close to 24 years. And even though my adherence and loyalty to Boston and its teams remains undiminished, I don't pretend that Logan Airport is a pretty airport. It's gross. Not only that, the traffic is horrendous. Oh, for sure. The traffic is almost as bad as the drivers. In other words, if you simply had those crazy roads downtown in Boston the way they are, it will make driving bad. But if you add to that the crazy driving attitudes of those people who drive in Boston, it makes it an insane situation. Yeah, don't drive in downtown Boston. Word to the wise. I had this opportunity of visiting Gordon Conwell Seminary. And it took me literally from the airport to the seminary, 45 minutes. And how far is it? A few miles. Well, Boston did something quite, in retrospect, foolish. Of course, they didn't know at the time, but they built the airport right next to downtown Boston. Almost no other city does that. You don't build an airport adjacent to downtown. Essentially, downtown Boston is on one end of the river. You go underneath a river, and the other side in East Boston is Logan Airport. It makes no sense, but there's actually some unfortunate ramifications of that. Unfortunate if you, like me, like skyscrapers. In Boston, they're not allowed to build buildings as high as they do in other cities because it's dangerous for air traffic. Ah, okay. That's true. That's why the tallest building in Boston is the John Hancock building, 790 feet, 60 stories, which is quite tall. Whenever they suggest a super tall building, something 800, 900, 1,000 feet tall, it's usually vetoed by the FAA. I didn't know that. You came here to make fun of me, and I'm giving you information you didn't know. Ha! Okay? You can look it up. It's true. But David... That's all water under the tunnel, as we would say in Boston. But the reality is we got to talk about Zuchut Avot, the merit of the forefathers, particularly as it relates to Moses' last argument to save the people after the golden calf sin. What is it about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we as the nation of Israel, at the point where we're almost going to be annihilated by God, to receive benefit from what they have done in their lives to save us as a nation? It's a strange thing. The fact that we have great forefathers, it's nice and it's wonderful, but why should that save the people when they commit a terrible sin? And yet that's what Moses says. For some reason, he's using this argument, and he knows about the lives of the forefathers. And I'm going to go a little further. I usually don't do this, Scott. I usually just don't quote the secret archives of the Jewish people by quoting a midrash. I always say the translation of midrash is the question you should have asked. A lot of times you won't find the answer in the Bible itself. It's in deep engagement with the Word of God that you have this revelation about what's going on behind the text. Yes, it's been said about the Hebrew Bible that it's laden with background. In fact, Abraham, one of the most important people of all time, 
He lived 175 years. Can you imagine a biography of Abraham written in modern style, how many thousands of pages it would take up? And yet, if you read the entire story of Abraham from his birth until his death in the Bible, you probably could do it in 20 minutes, maybe even less, depending on how fast a reader you are. It's pretty quick. It takes not that many chapters because the Bible only mentions key moments in his life that we need to know about now. There's a lot left unsaid, and Midrash will tell us sometimes those stories behind the scenes, what goes on between the lines of the text. And there was a time where Abraham's faith in God was tested by the dictator of the time to such a point where he was actually thrown into a fiery furnace and God saved him. Miraculously, despite the fact that this was an oven filled with fire, Abraham survived. Now, it's not a story that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 12 or Genesis chapter 11, but it's a tradition handed down from Sinai, and we have it in our canonized understanding and commentary of the Bible. That sacrifice that Abraham did put into the spiritual DNA of us that we can reach that potential as well. For that sanctification of God's name thousands of years ago, Moses at the time is using that story to tell God because of what he did for you, that is really inherent in the nation of Israel. Yes, they made a mistake, but don't forget that the spiritual DNA of our forefathers is in the nation of Israel. I'm Scott Kahn. I'm David Nekrutman, and blessings from Jerusalem.